remind you, Valentine's Day is not far away, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers. Check them out at jimmysflowers.com. Time to welcome in Chad Lewis, former BYU and Philadelphia Eagle. Chad, good morning. Yo, what's up? It's always good to talk to you guys. What's up? (laughs) The Eagles and the Chiefs are up. Well, they're not the Eagles. Yeah, come on. All the Eagles are on board with the Chiefs, right? It's the Eagles and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl versus the Bucks. Yeah, not only is it the Eagles and the Chiefs, but it's also the Bucks and Tom Brady. So, so it's the Bucks in our and the... Super Bowl in Jacksonville, it was Tom <laughs> Brady and the Patriots who got us. So um, that just means uh, it's more special. I mean, you're going up against the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, a guy who's now in his 10th Super Bowl. I've, I've played nine seasons in the NFL, <laughs> and he's going to 10 Super Bowls. It's it's incredible. So, yeah, this is a big game. It's really fun. With Andy Reid taking the Chiefs to the Super Bowl for the second time and what I think it's his third time, and obviously he's had incredible success in KC, there's a lot of stuff being written and said about him. And this past week here I've been trying to read as much as I can. <clears throat> One of the things that really caught my eye was his coaching style. And you obviously know him, played for him, and you've been around, and you can speak to different coaching styles. And the quote that really jumped out me jumped out at me. I think we all want to be treated a certain way. Uh, talking about how you know how would I want to be treated? And we think of coaches, Mike Ditka, screaming at guys on the sideline and all that stuff. Uh, what do you think of the coaching style that Andy Reid has? compared to all the different coaches. Now, you played for Lavelle Edwards, so it might actually be in the same type of style, but it seems that his style seems to work with these guys. That is absolutely right. That's, he, he learned his style and his culture from Lavelle. He honed it in with other coaches, especially Mike Holmgren at Green Bay. But that's what he's most comfortable with. When he says that, he means it. He lives it. That's who he is. That's why... Last year when he was getting ready to win that Super Bowl, the, you just felt like the entire NFL was happy for him, supportive, behind him. It was really cool. And because he lives it. I like people focusing on that part of his coaching ability because he's not a screamer. And he feels like he can get his point across just with every bit as much power as a screamer by doing it his way, and he can and the thing that hasn't been written that I think is every bit as important, something that you will see Sunday night, and it's, it's that Andy and his wife Tammy are a package deal, just like Lavelle and Patty. You never saw Lavelle, we didn't, without Patty. She was there. She was present. Well, that's the same thing with Andy. He works unbelievable hours, but he has made this profession a package deal. So – Post-game interview, who's going to be right by his side? His greatest teammate and partner, Tammy. And that's the way he wants it. That's how he's created it. And that's where he draws his strength and power. And he's never lost that. He's never lost sight of it. He's, he's, he's been able to make it work with Tammy right there with him. She, she would travel with us to games. Um, and she loves – following him she loves being a supporter she jokes that she's the head coach of the head coach and i just have this ultimate respect for andy because he's in this profession 
head coach in the NFL, Super Bowl champ. He's done it. Like Lavelle, a package deal with his wife. That's really cool. You know, people, I've, I've never met Andy, but obviously lots of BYU people have. They all like him. They all respect him. They all seem fiercely loyal to him. But sometimes when you're in the presence of greatness... Okay, you have got to meet Andy Reid. What are we waiting for? <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> I'd love to. You've got the credentials. That gives you the authority to meet anyone you want on planet Earth. <laughs> Set up a time you have to meet Andy. That, that'd be great. I'm, I'm totally... I'd love to talk to Andy Reid. There's a gazillion things to ask the guy. It's so interesting. But I think sometimes when greatness is right in front of you, it doesn't register because you literally know the person and they seem like any other person. Because at the end, we're all people, you know, no matter how successful you are at this, you know, very job with a lot of popularity and celebrity surrounding it. But he is, uh, he's going to be the 12th coach to coach in three Super Bowls. He's going to be the, if he wins, he'll be the seventh to go back to back. And next season, he should pass Curly Lambeau for uh, career wins and be fifth. I mean, we're talking about an all-time, all-timer. Only Belichick among active coaches will have anything like that for resume. This is incredible, but it feels like it doesn't get talked about enough. He is at the top of all these lists. One of the reasons it doesn't get talked about enough is he's not driving it. He's not a self-promoter. He's, he, he's grateful about life. He's grateful to have his job. He loves it. He's grateful that people think highly of him. But he's not going to be promoting either silently or behind the scenes his own, you know, promotion. He's just he's just a cool guy. He's down to earth. He's real. If you talk to any of his friends, they're like, that, that's his Andy. He's the best. Like, he's, he's incredible. So, um, order of business. You have got to get a one-on-one interview with Andy Reid whether you fly out there to Kansas City and do it or you do it on the radio, you, you've got, while he's still in the present coaching, you got to interview him. He, he's the best. So really, when we think of Andy Reid, is the only flaw of his that he's good friends with Kyle Whittingham? <laughs> he loves Kyle. I mean, he's loyal to his teammates. Um, he loves people. He loves people more than... More than he, – he just loves people. He's not afraid of crossing boundaries or colors to reach out to people. He's, he's just true. I mean, and he would tell you he's got more flaws than he can shake a stick at. He does, he does not pretend like he's the greatest coach, the greatest person. He just is. He's, he's the best. So you look at this game, and the Chiefs trying to go back-to-back here, but they just lost their left tackle to an Achilles injury in the AFC title game. Is their O-line going to be able to handle the Bucks' front four? That's a great question. One of the reasons that Tom Brady chose the Bucks when he had um, you know, half the teams in the NFL to choose last year is because they had a Super Bowl-caliber defense. So you have a super, now they are a Super Bowl caliber defense and they've been wreaking havoc. Their front four can get pressure. What's been interesting with their playoff games against the Saints and, um, is they put enormous pressure on the back end, but they haven't received any penalties. You saw them against Green Bay and the Saints where they were, they were passing the fearing, pulling receivers as the ball was coming. 
and there was no call made. If you can get away with that in the Super Bowl, you win. But if the refs call those, that neutralizes that great front four. And so it'll be interesting to see the combination of the calls on the back end and how how much pressure the front four can give Mahomes. So, and now you got these tackles that are out. That's those are big losses. But and always, always coached with a mentality that hey, we're strong as a team, and when someone goes down, we don't make a big deal of it. Even if it was Donovan and Coy Detmer stepped in ripped the 49ers on Monday Night Football, and he dislocated his elbow in that game. And then A.J. Feely stepped in out of nowhere, and we went on a tear. We we beat great teams, and I think he won about six games at the end of that year as the third-string quarterback. And Andy did not make a big deal of it. In meetings, personally, he just said, hey, we got good players. They're going to be fine. <laughs> and he's, he's able to inspire your team with confidence, and get you thinking that I'm going to play better. I'm not going to do anything out of my out of my business. I'm going to do my job, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability so I can help my my teammates. And that he fosters that culture. That's a special culture in the NFL. Yeah, you speak of that culture. To me, being around, I haven't been around a lot of pro teams, but. Most of my time, and as far as NFL goes, I've been around pro teams and other sports, uh, but certainly I've been around a ton of college teams. And the one thing that I've noticed is the players have to really buy in to what the coaching, the head coach and his staff are selling. And if they don't, it doesn't matter how great that coach is. If they don't buy into what he's saying and believe in it, then it seems like they're just not going to be good. How important is that? that these players, whatever the situation is, then the coaches say something that they believe that that's the truth. I would answer that with two things. Number one, you're exactly right. You have to buy in. A team creates enormous team chemistry by buying in. That's the first part. The second part is if you're buying into snake oil, it doesn't matter if you're all, like you could be completely heart and soul bought in. But if the product is a bunch of hocus-pocus BS, then it doesn't matter. So what is actually beneficial to the Chiefs is that what Coach Reed is sharing and promoting and teaching is legit. It's proven. It's, it's great team culture. So when people are all in and they're bought into what he's saying, it's legit. And that's why there's so much strength and power. That's why you have a coaching tree similar to Bill Walsh. He's been able to create a coaching culture where you have so many coaches, Ron Rivera's, I mean, Steve Spagnuolo's. You can go down the line of great people who he's worked with who are now head coaches. Dave Coley, the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Those guys are products of Andy Reid and the way he's done it for years and that's gratifying. As a former player, it's really cool to see. So Andy's awesome, but nobody's perfect. So if I had to go one thing, why is he running Mahomes on an option on third and one at midfield? <laughs> I mean, at the one-yard line for a playoff touchdown, maybe it's worth the risk. But third and one at midfield? Ah! Because <laughs> who thought he was going to do that? I don't know. I think he's nearly perfect because they're going into the Super Bowl with three BYU guys. you got Andy Reid. You got Danny Sorensen, 
And then you got the silent assassin, Porter Ellett, who is Andy Reid's left-hand man. He lost his right arm in an accident when he was four years old. One of the greatest dudes around. So if you got three BYU dudes going in the Super Bowl, then that's who I'm following. <laughs> All right, speaking of BYU dudes, Cougars put together a pretty good season, but the objective is to have a good program, not to have a good season. Uh, what are you thinking as far as them? I don't know that they could sustain it to that level because they're going to lose an NFL quarterback, but how are they going to be able to keep it going at a high level? Yeah, great question. I love what happened this year. I love Kalani, not only as a former teammate of mine, but what he's done at BYU, the influence he's had on these guys, the way he coaches his style, he's you can see each year he's getting more and more comfortable in his own skin as a coach, knowing what drives him. Um, I love the way that he and Tom Homo work together. This season was magical. When everyone else, not everyone, when a great portion of the football world was ready to quit because of COVID, it was powerful to me to see Tom go over, around, under any obstacle, any nose. He didn't waste his time with dialogue with people who didn't want to play. He just said, let's keep finding people who are willing to play. And that relentless pursuit of a schedule and the relentless pursuit of doing it right, protecting guys with COVID, proving that we can do it appropriately um, but still have a season. I think if Zach Wilson's going to be a, a top five pick in the NFL, he's got – Tom and Kalani for the rest of his life to say, thank you for doing everything you could to give me an opportunity to have a season like that. Um, I just thought it was remarkable. So where you go from here, you build off of this season. You build off of the confidence your, your guys have. You build off of what's making you a good coach. I, I think what – Kalani does really well is he focuses on his strengths. He doesn't try and be anyone else. And each year I feel like he's getting better at that. And when you do that, then you build a really strong culture and program and a confidence that you're doing it the right way. And it's been, it's been cool to watch and I'm really pumped to see it go forward. Cause next year we have a tough schedule. We hope like crazy that, things with COVID calm down enough that there's fans in the stands and sports are just meant to play in front of a live audience, a full live audience with, with adrenaline pumping, people screaming. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. So we were discussing the um, transfer portal and how not five years ago, but even since two or three years ago, it's it's changed. The number of kids going there, the whole thing just seems to be accelerating. How is the portal going to change BYU football? How could it help the Cougars acquire players? How could it cost them players? What do you think the impact is going to be going forward? The impact will be enormous on every program. And uh, change is not only inevitable, we're living in the time of greatest change. This, this year taught us more about change than any other year in our lives. Can we adapt? Yeah. Do we have to adapt? Well, if you want to be successful, you do. And Or you could sit like an old broadcaster and talk about walking to school in four feet of snow both ways, and no one wants to listen to that. That's bull crap. So 
the transfer portal's a big change. The people who can get most comfortable with how that works for them, the people that who can wisely select players that fit their program and their culture, there's a delicate balance in who you want to bring in, and it takes wisdom, perspective, sometimes restraint. You're going to have your whole fan base clamoring for someone. If you know that someone doesn't fit your team for whatever reason, then you have to be strong enough and confident enough in your decision-making skills to stand on your own two feet. And so I really like and trust the way that Kalani operates and thinks. And I like his wisdom. I like how he's growing as a coach and a man. And um, it'll be cool to see how he, he works with, with Tom to use players that are coming into availability through the transfer portal to strengthen BYU's program. So you work in the BYU athletic department, and I know there's a big BYU fan who now owns the Jazz in Ryan Smith, and I'm assuming you've had some interaction with Mr. Smith. Can you tell us what you know about him? Ryan has been unbelievable for BYU publicly, privately. He's, he's a great asset to the program, to the players, to the coaches. He's made himself available. He had a really cool Zoom conference with our entire athletic department early on in the COVID and shared what he was learning running Qualtrics in a time of the greatest chaos. And he loves people. He loves sports. He specifically loves basketball and golf. And I think it's so cool that he's he is the owner of the Jazz to keep the Jazz here in Utah. He's he's dedicated and driven to be a champion. Um, you see his influence with Donovan and the other players. Like he is going to be the greatest supporter for them, and the, he's got a burning fire in his heart just like they do. It'll be really cool to see him win a championship here in Utah and. And I'm super grateful that he's been so cool to BYU. Not just him, but his whole family. They, And not just BYU, they support other schools. But I just am very grateful for his influence here and what he's done and what he, can, what he wants to keep doing. It's really cool. Well, Chad, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. That was a lot of ground to cover right there. Transfer portal to uh, new jazz owner to Super Bowl to Andy Reid. I think you got it all. <laughs> the only thing I didn't get was how grateful I am for Cougar Nation responding to our all-in campaign. Tom Homo let people know a couple months ago that because of COVID, we have a $20 million shortfall. He was very transparent and open and said, you know, Cougar Nation, if you love BYU sports, this is our time of greatest need. People have responded. They've they've donated almost $15 million. There's been 7,000 different individual donors give back. And I just want to say to all of them, we are so grateful for you, for caring. And just can't I just can't be more grateful. Thank you. Good to pare that down from 20 to 5 million. That's progress right there. That's progress, and yeah. it goes on. And just you know, some teams they haven't got the bottom yet; they're still in a free fall. 
and their free fall is enormous. Tom's goal was to staunch the bleeding, to stop the hemorrhaging, to get to a place where we knew we had a bottom so we could start clawing back out and, and get strong and move forward. And he's been remarkable with his communication through COVID. He's, he's been relentless reaching out to all of us as administrators, as coaches. He's been reaching out to players. When times are really tough, if you're a great communicator, then you can strengthen your team. He has certainly done that, and, and I'm, it's been impressive to watch. I'm grateful for his leadership. Chad, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Yeah, hit it. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk afterwards. And, Dave, let's get you that interview with, Tom, with uh, Andy Reid. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Thanks, Chad. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I think people are reluctant to buy into Taysom as a quarterback. They can't be reluctant to buy into him as, as, as an asset right, right. football player. Like if we put him out there for trade, we would have 31 other teams with interest. People are just hesitant because we all are hesitant to not knowing what we've seen so far, you know, and and so he's relatively new as a quarterback. That's Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints head coach. Did a podcast, talked about the future of the quarterback position with the Saints. He also said Drew Brees' future should – uh, there should be an announcement in the next week or two. I think we all assume that'll be retirement. He said he hopes Jameis Winston will re-sign. You know, Sean Payton's got a really good rep for working with quarterbacks, PK, and not just yes. because of Bru- of Breeze. You know, Breeze went down last year, and they worked with Bridgewater, and they went undefeated. I think it was 5-0 and with him. And then Taysom Hill plays four games and goes 3-1. and Correct me if I'm off on my numbers, but I think he went 3-1. and Yak is nodding, right? So he's 8-1 and with backup quarterbacks. And what Peyton doesn't say there is who he thinks is going to win the job. <laughs> he was careful. There's nothing there you can go back and say, aha, gotcha. There's none of that, you know. And, and Winston, you know, in a quarterback derby, especially if Peyton's coaching him up here, like Winston's already a playmaker. You don't throw 30 touchdown passes in the NFL and not be a playmaker. The problem is eliminating the negative plays. And if he does that... That thirty thirty season, baby. Right, and if he but if he does that, if that thirty turn, if that thirty picks turns into ten picks, then he can start for a lot of NFL teams. I mean, not every NFL team because other guys have you know Hall of Fame quarterbacks in place, but he can start for a lot of them. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it's interesting what Sean said there, what he chose to say, and what he chose not to say because clearly he knows more than he let on. Well, I don't think he can say anything about Winston because I think Winston is not under contract anymore. Right, he's so, not. Yeah. Uh, he has to be careful on what he says because Winston could take off. I don't even know that he's going to be there. Now for Taysom Hill, and everybody here for BYU wants Taysom Hill to be the quarterback, and they want him to be a great quarterback and all that stuff, a la McMahon and Steve Young. I mean, obviously, they love Taysom Hill for good reason. And obviously, 
Taysom wants to be the starting quarterback. But the good thing for Taysom is if he doesn't win the starting quarterback, he's not going to be standing there with a ball cap and a clipboard. He's going to be out on the field in all of his assorted roles. So at least, I don't know if that's a consolation prize, but at least he knows, hey, I'm going to play. I'm not just going to stand here and wait for an injury or ineffective play. I'm going to be out on the field doing stuff. And I think that can get him at least some form of excitement. I am an NFL player, and I am playing every Sunday. And there's something to be said for that, and he's being paid extremely well. So you combine all those things. Even um, Even if he doesn't win the job, he still has a lot to look forward to. So the college basketball schedule tonight is a busy one. The youths are playing Arizona at 5 o'clock at the Huntsman Center. You can watch that on uh, FS1. BYU's at Portland, 5 o'clock. You can see that on KJAZ and Stadium Network. The Aggies are playing Fresno State at 7 o'clock. That'll follow on KJAZ and Stadium Network right after the BYU game. And the Jazz are on TV at 5.30. So that's too much basketball all at once to possibly absorb PK. I know, that's kind of funny that it's all within a half hour of each other. The Aggies are a little bit later. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Boy. But the other guys all playing right there at the same time. Now, I think for me, uh, it'll be hard to focus on three games basically going on at the same time. As I break it down, I think the Jazz are always number one, unless we get to the NCAA tournament you know, or the conference tournament at that to- point, or maybe the Gonzaga like it was last year. Uh, was a huge game. We know that. And they moved the Gonzaga game up to Monday for the Cougars are going to play Monday night. But as I handicap these games, I think my least interest would be BYU and Portland because Portland stinks. <laughs> so uh, I assume BYU is going to roll them. I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. That's the key uh, right there is that there's going to be four games in a four-hour span between 5 and 9 o'clock. And the games we're not going to watch are the games that get out of hand. Obviously, that would be the first one you expect to get out of hand. I do. But we're going to watch the most competition, and we're going to pass on the least competition when you get four games stacked on on top of each other. And Utah and Arizona now. Arizona has that self-imposed ban on the NCAA tournament. And then hopefully the NCAA uh, distributes and actually levies a lifetime ban on Arizona in the NCAA tournament. That's a Sun Devil speaking, people. I think that's worth it. I don't see how you can argue on that. And But for the Utes, I want to see, have you turned a corner? I don't want to hear it. I want to see it. And you had the nice win against Colorado. It was a great win, a great comeback. It was an exciting game. Watched all of it because it was on Saturday afternoon in the winter. I had nothing else to do. No football was on that day. And I watched the whole game, and it was fun to see them turn that looking like sure defeat into victory. And now you're telling me, all right, this is going to strengthen you and give you the confidence, and you have turned a corner. Now I want to see it. And certainly you're playing Arizona's, and there's no way I'm rooting for Arizona, that's for sure. So see that and get a victory. Stop this running in place. And obviously the Jazz, man, I was thinking about this. You know, we still have, what, 50 games to go? Give or take, yeah, fifty-one. That's a lot of. Yeah. That's a lot of games. Yeah, assuming I don't know. Assuming they play them all, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's why I said the give or take because I, I mean I could have done the math, but I don't know uh, what happens going forward because games have been postponed and how they're going to be able to make up. Who knows? But anyway, that's a large chunk of games, and already I am enthralled with the race in the Western Conference. It's like every game, even though we still have way more to go than they've played. And 
I feel like I'm just captured and they've already got me. Every game matters. It's crazy to think of when you have 50 games. It's not like it's 10 or 15 games to go and we're in the stretch run. We're not there yet. <laughs> and then, and, but yet, I'm so into it to see, okay, man, they're half game up. Can they keep that lead? I mean, really, it doesn't matter, you know, a half game with 50 games to go. I'm pretty sure that's somewhat meaningless. But can you keep pace? And already, they've got me. Well, I think they got everybody, don't they? I mean, even the they people should. even the people who are saying, ah, oh, they're not that good. I mean, they're still watching. <laughs> they're still following it. They're, if you weren't, then the reaction wouldn't be, oh, they're not that good. The reaction would be, what, huh? What are you talking about? Didn't they get off to a 10 and 11 start again this year? Because that's been the history. I mean, Joe's talked oh, about well, that when he's been on with us, is that they start slow in multiple seasons, and then over time they kind of find themselves and they get it together and then they get rolling. Uh, last year, after 21 games, they were 12 and 9. Right at, at this point, they still hadn't traded for Clarkson. Twenty-one Clarkson games getting, in, getting close. Right, again close, but they weren't twenty-one games in. They weren't there yet. And Conley uh, wasn't playing well. And actually, I think it just this is at the point where he got hurt. I think, I think it was. Uh, I think he played about twenty games, and then got hurt. So it was a it was a totally different vibe a year ago. Whereas this year, they're in a three-way battle for the best record in the. In the NBA, and then what does that mean when you translate it to the postseason? It means parade in the year where no parades are being had. <laughs> I saw you making fun of Larry the Laker on that. Yeah. You, you two. I got to keep you two apart, man. There's a good reason that you've never been in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys cancel the parade after the Denver loss? Like, Larry, there's no parades. Come on, man. I know, but uh, yeah, if you look at it, to me, this was the season to get off to a fast start. Uh, Nobody had, well, they didn't have the full preseason, and you had a bunch of changes. Lakers, Clippers, changes, Nuggets, changes, Rockets, changes. I mean, you can go right down the list, right? And Portland didn't have, they had Covington got uh, shipped over from Houston, so they had a little bit of change, but for whatever reason, Portland uh, seems to be always be cursed by injuries, and they could never have any sustained health. They're pretty good when they have sustained health, but they haven't been able to have that. And the Jazz made no changes. And he's not, none. No changes. F- favors. I don't count him as a change. Uh, a, back into the lineup, but it was like he was just away. He, he, he He's like Durant. He missed a season with injury, now, although obviously he played with the uh, Pelicans, but it makes sense that this team would be able to hit the ground running because everything is uh, essentially the same. And they have obviously hit the ground running and have been soaring. And Conley just feels just super comfortable. And his play is just something that, okay, all right, took a little time, but we got there. We got to what we thought we were going to get from Mike Conley, and we're getting it consistently. No reason to think otherwise going forward here. So it sets up to where I don't know that they're going to finish with the best record in the West. I guess I'd probably get bet against it, but uh, there's no reason why they're not in the race the whole way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, in the race the whole way, and what will it mean for the playoffs when they get you know head-to-head in a seven-game series, but we're getting way in front of ourselves. That's 50 games away, and... Uh, do you think there's going to be any big news here at the trade deadline? Or have, we, have we already had it? Harden moved, and that's the big, that's the big move. That's a huge move. You got, you got me there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I know with the Jazz, I think that's been their philosophy. Like, why wait to the trade deadline? You know, you get Clarkson in earlier. Yeah. So why wait the six weeks or whatever it was from the time he was traded to the trade deadline? So uh, you, just trying to run through teams. I mean, everybody could use somebody. You know, it would be interesting to see. We've seen some of this uh, going for, uh, in the past where you get to that point and player XYZ gets bought out and then he signs with another team. So maybe we see some of that, you know, and there's still some possibilities. Kevin Love has resumed some team activities. Does Cleveland really want him? Uh, is he a part of their future? They've got some young talent on that team. I sort of like what they've done a little bit with their drafting and, uh, and the trades that they've made. But is Kevin Love part of that future? Probably not. What can they get for him? So, yeah, my guess would be there's probably not going to be to the magnitude of a James Harden, but there's probably going to be some form of movement because it seems like there always is. All right. Uh, anything else we spoke about today that you would like to recap? Right, so you guys, we should mention Atlanta did play last night, if that matters to you. They're going back-to-back. They lost to Dallas. Dallas, who's really struggled to win. Maybe, maybe Dallas bottomed out, getting humiliated by the Jazz twice right. in three nights. It's kind of like, yeah. okay, everybody take stock. Nobody feel good about themselves. That was horrible. Uh, Doncic went for 27 points and 14 assists, and the Mavs beat him 122-116. Well, you know what I like to do? You can't watch all the games, right? And... So I look at all the box scores. I'm monitoring the scores as they're being played. It's so easy to do that these days. When I, when I was at NAU, I think I told you this story. I had a roommate who was from Los Angeles, and he brought a couple of friends with him, and those two lived across the dorm. So I had three guys from the L.A. area, and two of them roomed together. One I roomed with. They just randomly put them put us with the guy because my roommate that had been playing he bailed so I put this guy uh, uh, randomly shows up hey I'm your roommate <laughs> you know you're you're 18 19 years old so you just roll with everything now you'd have a heart attack right but, hmm. but <laughs> and, and and all these years later that 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 guy has still remained my friend his name is Wayne and so the guys, uh, those three were huge Laker fans, right? And so at night during the basketball season, at 10 minutes to the hour, KNX would have uh, <laughs> uh, sports updates, right? Well, in Flagstaff, give us 22 minutes and we'll give you the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Oh, you had to yeah. live in Southern California. Sorry. <laughs> right. And at the certain time, KNX would have sports reports and they would give updates of the Laker game. So the guy across the hall would put the, the radio right by the window so it was less scratchy to get the Laker update. You know, they were up by four in the third quarter. <laughs> I distinctly remember that we'd get, gather around the radio to see what the Laker update was going to be. <laughs> It seems like it was 5,000 years ago. And now, you know, you're looking at your phone and you can follow it. And then what I like to do is, so Dallas wins. And I, all right, I'm going to look at the box score. Well, I know Donches is probably going to have a good game. Sure enough, Porzingis had a good game. And I like to do that, uh, see which team wins. And I, all right, which non-superstar had a big game to augment the superstar? Because that's probably why... Team fill in the blank one, and sure enough, last night with Dallas, Porzingis had a real nice game, and they won. 
And Doncic does what he does. That's what superstars do. All right, DJ and PK, that's what we've been talking about. When we come back, your feedback coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Every life has its time on a trash heap Discarded on a road that was too steep But when rejection plus some hard work blends and mingles It tells the story of the jazz macho Ingles. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. Time for your feedback. Well, your radio story there in the last segment, getting the uh, the KNX updates every 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, Clint says, in the 90s, while camping in the Utah desert, we took turns holding a radio up in the air above our heads while standing on a rock to hear Hot Rod call a jazz playoff game. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's all sorts of stories like that. John Beck used to tell a story of, what, getting up on the roof to listen to BYU stuff at KSL when he was a kid. He lived over there in Mesa. In the East Valley and the Phoenix area, uh, he used to speak of that stuff too. So there's all sorts of stuff on that. What you used to do at night, now of course you can just uh, call up your radio, get the score, or if you pay for it, get the out of town stuff and all that, whatever it might be. The, the techno- technological advances are just incredible. It makes you wonder what's going to be in another twenty, thirty years, and how much they're going to charge us for it. <laughs> it's going to be available, that's for sure. Those were the dark ages, and we're not going back. No. I mean, look at this. The Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, and the Jazz are all on TV. And they'll be, uh, you know, the Utes are on FS1, so it doesn't matter. A Ute, Ute alum, wherever they are, is going to be able to watch it. and It's totally different. I walked into an apartment when I was in college, and I had a roommate from Tucson. His name was Paul Wyke, and he had pulled the couch away from the wall and he had a radio down in the very corner of the living room, and he was laying on his stomach with his ear pressed up against it trying to listen to an Arizona-Arizona State football game. Hopefully the Devils won that one. <laughs> I could go back and try to figure out the year, and you can figure that out. <laughs> he was listening to, uh, I, think, I think it's uh, the, the station that, uh, well, Ryan Hatch manages multiple stations now, but uh, KTAR, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the station. Yeah. It's been and it was forever. And he. So I'm listening to it for a few minutes. It didn't hold my attention because I wasn't. You know, I didn't have the emotional buy into the game. It was a lot of static and occasionally some words coming through. But Paul. Oh, was, yeah. I mean, Paul was all in. Yeah. This is in Santa Barbara. Listening to an Arizona station. You you've been pissed ever since Mark Malone left the San Diego area and came over to the desert to play his college football. El Cajon High School. Great. <laughs> Met a guy yesterday from Granite Hills. That was awesome. That didn't mean anything to you people. Never mind. Did you know that Pat Tillman's wife went to Santa Barbara? No, I didn't. Oh, maybe oh, yeah. I did. You might have brought it up once in the past now that you mention it. Yeah. I told I, I wrote a book. She, she wrote a book, and I read it, and uh, she had a very – they were both from the San Jose area, and she had an important function, and she needed someone to accompany her. And I think the first time Pat did not go, and the second time she let him know that uh, she found someone to take her who was very charming and good looking. <laughs> 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 All right. So, 
<laughs> she knew how to play the game. <laughs> I think uh, his wife's name was Marie. If I Message received. Oh, yes. And so then she wrote how Pat made sure if there was any big function in which she needed uh, someone to be there with her, that uh, as long as it wasn't in the football season and he was able to do it, he got his butt over to Santa Barbara from Tempe. And they eventually got married. And uh, uh, we know that story afterward. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, speaking of funny, uh, we've got this. John tweets at us, uh, those girls at PK dated really have deep voices. <laughs> well. Seinfeld episode, deep talk. There's a lot of ways I could go in today's climate, which, you know, I don't think we should. But, oh, PK. Uh, <laughs> they weren't, weren't, wasn't the exact those weren't the girls i'm just was translating the message when we would go out and i would take them out for an evening out the town on the town at the end of the evening they would respond with oh pk <laughs> i once again prove that i have a very warped mind there it is <laughs> pk take it off baby oh pk yes, <laughs> <laughs> We've got to remember to play that for him next week because I'm oh, guessing we he had no idea. None, that was none. Good. He had no clue. But when I heard that, that is it he just harkened me back. back. On. <laughs> right? He has to. Yeah. He's, he's sponsored. He's required. <laughs> he is. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> it's Craig Bowler, Jack. He says, I don't want to do it. He doesn't do it. You uh, Chasta trailer just tweeted at us. I used to put my transistor radio under my pillow to listen to Vince Scully. Called Dodger Games on KFI. Got my butt whipped when I'd fall asleep and the battery would go dead overnight because 9-volt batteries were 25 cents. Oh, you don't want to waste a quarter. Turn the thing off, man. <laughs> yeah, Vince Scully talking about, uh, I've read many stuff on that. When the That's how Vince Scully became a legend is those transistor radios. And when they would go back east, which they had a lot of trips because there wasn't any teams outside of the Giants in their region. All those games would be starting when people would be coming home from work and they'd be listening to the games, and Vince Scully would be there broadcasting. And one of the ways he became the ultimate, as far as I'm concerned, broadcasting legend. Not just a Dodger legend, a broadcasting legend. The NFL, golf, the, the he's called Masters. Mm-hmm. So he was on the, uh, the legendary... The catch when the Niners beat the Cowboys, he was he was calling that game on TV. Oh yeah, yeah well, and then I, and and baseball beyond the Dodgers, little roller mm-hmm. gets through the legs. Yeah, all that did the stuff. World yeah. Series, yeah, NBC. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands to Scotty coming up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone.